So I can't say that I'm all that surprised about this uh, early one, this first story today over here. Mm -hmm. Can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. I uh, Well, many had speculated leading up to the release of the iPhone 12 that there, there would be some compromises. I mean, there always is, right? You're trying to make a smartphone. Mm -hmm. You got to do some things. You got to make some choices. Mm -hmm. You got to, I mean, there's some selections. You say, I got to be this thin. I want to be this tight. I want to have this chip. I want to uh, have this screen size. How I, much are you willing to give up? That's well, that's the question. question. That's the question every time, isn't it? And, you know, previously Apple had always put a huge emphasis on thinness and lightness and kind of really compact, something you put in your hand and right away, like, oh, all right, I like that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of was a big focus. The, uh, the appeal, the initial, the uh, visceral reaction oh. as you would have to holding one of these things. And, uh, and people had complained in the past about battery life, for example, and having smaller battery figures than some of the competition. And then the iPhone 11 happened. And when the iPhone 11 happened, they took battery real serious and they set the bar quite high for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw this new design, knowing they had to re rework everything there, and I saw the initial battery figures just on the, on the scale of the, of the batteries, and I know they said they were going to do software optimizations and everything else, but you wonder how much they could do in the amount of time. He's still running relatively similar software. And so the speculation started to emerge that maybe we take a bit of a step back on battery life when it comes to the iPhone 12 mm -hmm. in exchange for this new design. And yes. it's a very sort of slim appeal. And we uh, have some of the initial tests they're in now. We have uh, Tom's Guide coming through with the iPhone 12 battery life results. And they stack it up against uh, some heavy hitters. Not just the previous generation iPhone 11, 11 Pro, but also the Galaxy S20 5G at both screen refresh rates. The S20 Plus 5G, the OnePlus 8T 5G, and the Google Pixel 5. And each time with those Android devices, they did it at 60 hertz and the higher refresh for the Pixel 5 that brings it up to 90 hertz and for the others up to 120 hertz. And uh, within this test, here's, here's a, a sort of what they uh, put the phone through. They surfed the web continuously at 150 nits of screen brightness, launching a new site every 30 seconds until the battery was completely drained. And for the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, they ran the test over 5G and 4G in order to determine how much of that extra drain was going to come via 5G. Now, it's important to note, Will, as we glance at these numbers, uh, 5G is a new thing for Apple. They haven't, mm -hmm. right, right? They don't have that 5G product. So is there a chance that over time, maybe, I don't know, software updates, optimizations? I don't know. Is there a chance this could improve? Maybe. I'm just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. A quick little disclaimer because it's very fresh, but it doesn't look that great right now. I'm going to be honest with you. We took a, a step back from a 3110 milliamp hour battery in the iPhone 11 to a 2815 milliamp hour battery in the iPhone 12. And the iPhone 11, it beat the iPhone 12 even in 4G performance. Mm -hmm. You can see the iPhone 11 there, uh, it gave you 11 hours and 16 minutes of battery life in that test that I referenced, browsing the web, doing basic stuff. The iPhone 12, on the other hand, if you're running it in 5G, it's only going to give you 8 hours, 25 minutes. And in 4G, uh, 10, 10 hours and 23 minutes. Hmm. So, actually, it took a, it took a step back in, uh, in each direction. Now, do you think it will be the same if the iPhone 12 have, has a bigger battery? It's slightly smaller. Yeah, so what is it, like 300 milliamp hours smaller? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, because if you look at the yeah, if you look at the four G comparison, it's only what is it like forty five minutes difference? Yeah, yeah. So, but here's the thing, Will. You go to five G, and then the expectation is, for the average user, they love the upgrade. They say, okay, we're going to get faster, but they mm -hmm. they also might be assuming that they should expect similar battery life. Yes, as you know, these batteries degrade over time, yeah. and these numbers, I mean, the discrepancy gets amplified, and so. One way that other manufacturers on the Android side have mitigated this 5G battery drain is by putting enormous batteries. Yeah. So, for example, let's go down to the OnePlus 8T, pulling in 10 hours and 49 minutes 
on 5G with a 4,500 milliamp hour battery. Hmm. You see, that's how you got to get it done, mm -hmm. especially when you don't have the same integration or potential for optimization that Apple does hardware software. So you just got to slam a, a, a giant battery at it. And I mean, if we're, if we're talking about the S20 Plus, it's the same story. 10 hours, 31 minutes, 8 hours, 55. Uh, of course, once again, that's uh, 5G, 4G. Oh, no, actually, in this case, it's not 5G, 4G. It's 60 hertz, 120 hertz. All the tests are in 5G on the Android devices. That's important to note. So, of course, they get better on, uh, on 60 hertz than they do on 120. Hmm. So, those are 5G numbers. So, let, let me just, let me just. Could you? Could you do that? If you don't mind. If you don't mind. Essentially, what we're talking about here is that a Galaxy S20 is going to give you an hour more of battery life at 60 hertz and comparable battery life at 120 hertz. A OnePlus 8T 5G is going to give you more than two hours better of battery life at 60 hertz running the same 5G. And it's going to give you an hour and a half better battery life at 120 hertz. Hmm. So you see where I'm going here? Yeah. It's not a great battery performer for Apple for the iPhone 12 or 12 Pro. Mm -hmm. 12 Pro gives you a little bit better. It gives you about a half hour on the uh, 5G setting there, but you're still at nine hours for for a 5G performance as opposed to uh, almost 11 hours on the OnePlus 18. I don't know how much this matters. We're talking about a couple of hours, but as I said to you, Will, over time as these things degrade, it becomes more of an issue, battery life, depending how long you're going to hold on to the thing for. So you want to come out the gate mm -hmm. with the best possible status. Yep. And certainly when you're paying, paying a flagship price. Now, it's important to say, though, that some of those phones are bulkier than this new iPhone. Mm -hmm. And so some people may prefer, they may say, look, I understand I'm taking a dip in a battery because I got this super slim and trim thing. It feels like a piece of jewelry in my pocket. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And so those people, they got a point too. It's what is the right amount? How much time is enough time? How important is battery life to you? But nonetheless, these types of reports are useful for people so they can at least say to themselves hey if battery is that important i can take this into consideration right that's where it comes from but anyway you can check out the chart and uh, make up your own mind this but this should also showcase to you one of the potential reasons why apple didn't throw a 120 hertz display in there yeah because that would drain the battery because you had the you had the lot. 5g yeah. And a 120 hertz display. And I don't know what they're going to do between this generation and next to increase the display refresh. But you're going to have to knock another hour off that battery life. And then the discrepancy, mm. not between Apple and other manufacturers, becomes an issue. But com Apple compared to its older products. Mm -hmm. People yeah. are going to sit there saying, oh, I don't need the screen refresh because the old model has tremendously better battery. Yeah. Which is what I might. Well, you never want people to say that. Yeah. You try to improve in every single category every single time. Mm -hmm. So anyway. There you have it. It's not the worst news, but it's maybe not as great as some people had expected. Today's sponsor of the show is DoorDash, one of my favorites. Makes me hungry every time. Every time we got the DoorDash sponsor and I had to look at their I mean, homepage. The website. Yeah. yeah, I look at their website and I mean, I see the ribs on there. I see the pizza on there. I see the burgers on there. And I see, I mean, whatever it is. I see the Chinese food or uh, I like how Joe's Great Pizza has uh he's advertising his salad though he's <laughs> yeah. got great pizza but he's, he's like don't forget i have salad yeah. as well uh doordash this is uh this is so simple simple stuff you're staying at home these days you're you're uh you're trying to limit your your exposure to the world you're trying to well you have to kind of stay out of the restaurants in depending on where you're located and uh doordash lets you still have a, a you know a little a little taste of something good here and there mm -hmm. you know a little Put a little smile, a little smirk on your face as you can still uh, enjoy some of your favorites. Yes. Even in a time like this. And uh, my personal experience, you know some of my favorites. Well, we've already talked about it many times. Many times. Now, every so often, one that I haven't talked about more recently, I've been getting healthy, some a few healthy things. Yeah? Yeah, they actually, there's some of that on there. So I'm going to give a shout out to Revitasize, actually. Okay. Yeah, because they'll give you, they can give you a smoothie. They could give you uh, a bowl, like an acai type of bowl. Okay. Okay. But I mean, they have other things as well. Is this a sponsor within a sponsor? It's just, no, I'm just, <laughs> they're just one of the many things you can choose on. They got an almond cookie. And they're just one of the many things you can choose on there, whatever you're feeling like. Shout you might out. think, because because when, you're, when you launch the page, you might think, oh, 
I just got burgers and I just got ribs and stuff. Mm -hmm. No, man. It's you wouldn't believe everybody's there now. Yeah. And uh and of course there's even this deals. This is the one for me. There's even deals as well. Oh yeah. Oh, that's the one that that's the bubble tea that Vin likes. Yeah. That's Vin's favorite bubble tea. So look at this. I mean, it's it's incredible the amount of selection that you're going to get on there. In fact, uh DoorDash has 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. So they got everything from your local go-tos as well as the bigger names that you're familiar with. Look at that. I mean, you got the Chick-fil-A, 27 minutes. National favorite. You got the national favorites. If it's yeah. Chipotle, whatever happens to be, it's up to you. Uh, you get a deal right now. You go try DoorDash. I'm telling you, it's it's, it's simple. You track it. You're salivating. Okay. All you got to do is head over to uh, the DoorDash app. You got to just launch the DoorDash app on your device and enter the code Lou later. You will get $5 off and no delivery fee on your first order of $15 or more. Just launch into the DoorDash app. It's on it's on every platform. And uh, make sure to type in the code Lou later because you get the five bucks. You type Lou later, you get the five bucks off. And you also let DoorDash know that we sent you. So then we get the credit and this show continues. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Maybe if you need a Krispy Kreme donut, I don't mm -hmm. know what you need, but you're going to get five bucks off 15. And that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Mm -hmm. DoorDash. Uh, the Porsche Taycan will be the very first car with native Apple podcasts. Mm. Native. Will, I'm not talking about Apple CarPlay. I'm talking about them just getting out the way completely and just having an actual podcast button for anyone who gets mm. in the car. And because the car is going to come with a free or at least a, for a period of time, a free data connection, this is the end of radio. It's over. Mm -hmm. It finally happened. It's in the car. You just hit the button. Now, you can imagine other manufacturers do the same thing. Who's going to click the radio when they got podcasts and music? Mm -hmm. And because we previously, uh, or Porsche, and even, I think we talked about it on this show, they were also the first. They've done a couple firsts with Apple. They were also the first to put Apple Music as a button. Mm. Not through CarPlay. Just click Apple Music and your your account is linked and you don't even have to connect your phone. Mm. Same thing for podcasts. Mm. You don't have to plug your phone in, nothing. It's just all your podcasts, where you left off, but it's linked to your Apple ID on the podcast app. So right. if you're partway through a podcast, it's bookmarked. It's in the yeah. it's in the app in the car and it's right on the dash. On top of that, they're doing lyrics too. And the lyrics, I don't know if you know the dash the way the the Taycan is. There's a secondary display where the passion passenger sits, right? On this car, it just says Taycan at the moment. It's not activated. Oh, but there's a display there right above the glove box. That's where the lyrics go. So the passenger can follow along the uh, lyrics when you're listening to the song. So they can sing along. Yeah, I don't know if, what kind of voice they have. Yeah. Your passenger, <laughs> but uh, they get a little extra entertainment over there. So this is big. It's not just big for this vehicle. It's uh, it, it is big for the vehicle because... On the Tesla side of things, they have their own interface. There's no CarPlay, no Android Auto. It's not really integrated with your device. It's its own thing when you're in there. And it kind of has to be because they're doing the thing with the autonomous. And, you know, they just, it's a different approach. Yeah. Here, you see Porsche working with a big player, uh, Apple. Uh, not the, you know, arguably the biggest when it comes to, depending what market you're looking in, mm -hmm. looking in, looking at. And uh, bringing some of your favorites right to the dash. And I love this, Will. Sometimes I don't want to connect the thing. Sometimes I don't want to have a whole thing. Yeah. So I, I would love to see more of this happen natively right on the dash mm. because it's quick. It remembers where you left off. It remembers what your setting was. And even as good as Bluetooth has gotten and the various CarPlay systems, when we talked about wireless Android Auto coming out, which is also going to be a great option. But this is going to encourage people to listen to podcasts who never listened to podcasts before. Mm -hmm. if for people who never linked their phone at all, never even worried about it, they're going to see that button and Porsche hopefully rolls it out to more models, not just this one. And then because it's the same company as Audi and v mm -hmm. and whatever else, you see now podcast numbers through the roof. Willie do through the roof. Me. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. You specifically. <laughs> I'm saying your microphone is now being broadcast to more people. That's exciting stuff. No, that's cool. I mean, never mind the AM and the FM. Mm -hmm. They just uh, tap right in. My so sultry voice. It's a, it's a, it's actually a first, believe it or not. But uh, hopefully, we see more of it on both platforms, Apple yeah. and Android. Right on. Speaking of Apple and Google, 
Uh, we've talked a little bit about this relationship in the past. This is uh, the relationship where Google just sends Apple billions of dollars. Hmm. It's that relationship. I don't know if you remember, oh, but yeah, those they, kinds. Yeah, they do this in order to secure the default search the ownership over the default search when you launch the Safari web browser on your iPhone. Obviously, this is a huge footprint and a huge business driver for Google, who originally and still to this day is a, an advertising company with an enormous and popular search engine. Yeah. So they need those searches, Willie, do. And yeah. if, if, if they didn't have that on iOS, now I, we've talked about this before, I don't know who else it would be, yeah. but presumably it would be someone else because these companies are competitors. And so there's uh, currently the Justice Department is investigating. There's a, a lawsuit accusing Google of abusing its monopoly power. And so then in, within that filing on page 36, this figure comes out between eight and $12 billion, which uh, it, we've talked about this before, but we're getting more detail. We're getting, uh, a, it's getting a little more granular what exactly is going on. And so this eight to $12 billion Sometimes when you're talking about these big companies, you the numbers get lost. Like eight to twelve billion is that a lot? I don't mm -hmm. trillions. Mm -hmm. I mean, who? What? You can't. They're so big. The numbers. There's nothing to compare it to. Exactly. So here's the best relationship I think okay. in order to to try to quantify the magnitude of this relationship. That number, eight to twelve billion accounts for up to one-fifth of Apple's worldwide income. One-fifth! Hmm. One-fifth of their income. Income. Income, not profits. Right. It, that's a key. That's a key. Because when Apple makes an iPhone, there's a lot of costs associated with that. When somebody, when they get that check from Google, oh, baby, that's profit. Yeah. Oh, baby, that's a margin. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. This is huge. That is a huge amount of money yearly. Mm. Isn't it? Let's be honest here. But what's weird about it is they say one-fifth, but then they say that the worldwide income is $260 billion, And then the number is people, the, the guess is between 8 to $12 billion. So one-fifth of $260 billion is a lot more than $8 billion. Mm -hmm. So... We got to be wondering about these numbers that are coming on, just how big this is. But as the things continue to get uncovered here, I think we can imagine that this is a, a very substantial percentage of Apple's revenue in order for them to think it's worthwhile to do it. Mm -hmm. That part we have for sure. If it is one-fifth, my goodness, that is an enormous... I mean, that's impossible for Apple to say no to. Yeah. No wonder they keep saying yes yeah. up until this point. I mean, they uninstalled... You used to have YouTube by default on your iPhone. We took it out the box. Mm -hmm. They got rid of that. They said, see, this could happen to Google as well. Yeah. We could put Bing here. Bing. I mean, that would be <laughs> equally problematic. I guess they could do their, could they do their own search engine? I mean, they're trying with Siri to do an assistant. Maybe they could do their own search engine. I mean, they're doing maps. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a so slow process. Presumably at some possibly. point, they got to pull off the Band-Aid, stop yeah. taking tens of billions of dollars from Google and just do their own search engine, I guess. And we've talked about that. I think we did a clip. Yeah. Uh, Apple building its own search engine. There's probably some more details in there. You can go look for it. But uh, anyways, this is a very aggressive move and it certainly leaves no room for any other. Google commands 80% of the global search traffic mm. currently. They're by default on every Android phone and then they pay tens of billions to be on every iPhone. Yeah. What's left over here? So anyway, that's the that's the claim. But mm -hmm. one of the problems I have with this uh, mon uh, investigation on the monopolistic practices is, and we've talked about this before, is like who takes their spot? We, we really have a problem figuring out who that is in yeah. the absence of Apple doing it themselves. Yeah, if they build their own, is it worth the 8 billion or 12 billion that uh, Google gives them? Exactly. Right? Because they never it? wanted to be an ad company either. So they would just have to do it without generating fresh revenue from it. Yeah. And it's going to take time. Absolutely. So. Anyway. Atari. Remember? You remember Atari? Uh, no, you don't. Because it was even before you, Will. That was the <laughs> the OG 
It was the OG game console. Yes. Oh, you do remember of it? Of course. Okay, yeah. hazy, man. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's before my time. Like, you didn't have yeah, one, did they you? They were OG. No. Yeah, it was just know. before. We were more... Well, I had something called Intellivision at one point, but it okay. was actually a hand-me-down from my parents who just had it in a box somewhere. I was like, what's this? And they're like, try it out. Uh, it was around the same era. Was this 83? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um... But really, the first console that we got real excited about was the original uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes. Probably you too. Yep. You, you had that as well. Yeah. So, but anyway, prior to this, it, Atari, and we were just talking about Apple. Atari played a role. If you watch any of those uh, biographic films about Steve Jobs, Atari was right there at the forefront of the yeah. whole technological situation going on in silicon valley at the time yeah. he used to work at atari exactly for a little bit and the games and everything was kicking off and in a weird way atari was kind of the first computer system people put in their house mm -hmm. it was it was a gaming system but guys were doing other stuff with it back then and they kind of had a jump but of course things uh well didn't maybe didn't work out as expected however they're trying to make a comeback here and they have a really interesting approach so they're putting out this game console to compete against the current generation of game consoles, it's styled in a retro way as a, kind of an homage to the original. Hmm. However, the, the part of the approach that really surprised me, it's not just your typical retro throwback thing where they throw all the old games on it. They're doing that. You get 100 old titles on there. But then they just made it like a relatively powerful PC. So it's got an AMD Ryzen CPU, and AMD uh, Radeon GPU, 8 gigs of RAM, which is expandable, user expandable, oh. and it can pump games at 4K HDR. Oh, wow. What? It's also got USB 3, HDMI, and an Ethernet port for wired connections, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth wireless connectivity. It has a classic-style controller, like a joystick-style controller, but then it also has a, a more modern controller like you would use with Xbox or PlayStation. Hmm. And it comes preloaded with a Linux-based operating system, but it has a dedicated PC mode where you can uh, install a secondary operating system like Windows hmm. and use it as a full-out computer. So it's kind of like a gaming PC from the couch who that just so happens to be Atari-branded and have the retro styling. Yeah, it, uh, it looks really nice. It's kind of cool. Oh. Yeah. So it surprised me what they were able to pack into such a small form factor. And look, it's not going to be cheap. It's 389 bucks, which as you know, I mean, that's not too far off from the upcoming game consoles from the big players. But it's also a gaming PC. But right? it's also a PC. Yeah. So It's a nice little package there. It's kind of interesting. Now, on top of that, within the Atari VCS operating system, which is powered uh, by Linux, they're going to have... Uh, video streaming apps, music players, web browsers, and various other applications as well. Hmm. So it's kind of like a multimedia. It's like a, I remember in the old days, I would be building these uh, home theater PCs. Hmm. It's kind of like a home theater PC. Yeah. Which also happens to play some classics. Yeah. And have that it's style. like right beside your TV and it's, you're on the couch just playing. Might be a time. I don't know. It comes in black walnut. Onyx Black and Carbon Gold. And uh, that should be coming out shortly to compete against those other consoles. I don't know how much it competes head-to-head, -head, but it's an interesting... Can they revive the brand? We shall see. You remember this rollable OLED TV? Willie do that. LG showed off. It was actually years ago now. Mm. They showed that off, I believe, at CES 2019. Imagine that. Yeah. CES 2019. And uh, the whole, the whole, this was one of the first commercial products shown off that was going to be for sale that showcased what OLED was really capable of prior mm -hmm. to the folding phones and things like that. But it never came out. It never hit the market all that quickly. You can show, maybe hopefully there's a video clip that you can show a quick video clip. This thing takes a 65 inch TV and rolls it into a spindle. However, when it's completely extracted, from the base, it looks perfect like a TV. Here's a nice little, quick little clip. I mean, it looks like nothing. It looks like a piece of furniture. Yeah. When it's, when it's turned off and you turn it on, 
and this thing rolls up. Now, in a modern, imagine in a modern atmosphere, a modern modern environment. Does it ever roll up? Where well, you're going to blow people's minds. It's actually pretty quick, too. It's not bad. And then you put it away when it's not in use, and it just rolls down. Look at this, how it turns on. I mean, that's a statement, Willie Do You have some visitors over, some guests? They're yeah. looking around, they're like, yeah, well, you know, nice room, but where's the TV? And like, you hit the button. <laughs> yeah, you have a moment, don't you? Yeah, Plus, I mean, once you pop it out, it's not just a magic trick. When they go to inspect it, it's crazy thin. It's OLED. Hmm. And you know the attributes of an OLED picture. It's also going to look amazing. Mm -hmm. So you're the guy at that moment. Anyway, 65-inch rollable. It's actually available. You can get, you're actually going to buy the thing now. Finally, it has a price. And people were speculating that back then that it could be as much as $60,000 US hmm. because it is such innovative, unusual tech. However, the price is even higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> 87 Gs, yeah. $87,000. Is it worth it for you to make your statement, Willie Do? Is this a sound system as well, the bottom Yeah, part? it's going to have a sound system. I mean, that's impressive. All right, you're yeah, paying. Sure. You're I'll paying 87. Why you're gonna not? blow some minds, Willie. Really do believe it or not? I think we're actually gonna do an unboxing video on this thing mm -hmm. fairly soon, so we'll check it out in person. But how about that for a price tag? Then the eighty-seven thousand dollar rollable TV. I don't know if you heard this one. Apparently, Trump's Twitter account was hacked last oh. week, and uh, the uh, the Dutch uh, researcher who hacked him just guessed his password. No, no fancy tactics. Apparently, it was the fourth try. And you want to know what the password was? It was MAGA2020! Oh, wow. Well, that's what he says. Now, for the record, Twitter says this never happened. Twitter says, nah, we got tons of security measures. You never did this. This guy obviously is stating otherwise. He says that after he had hacked and been in there, he tried to warn people, I think including maybe the FBI. And uh, and then shortly after, two-stage was turned on and he was kicked out. So mm -hmm. he thinks Twitter's, I guess, just trying to cover it up. Like, we're not that susceptible because they had the bad hack news yeah, prior yeah. to that. So maybe this, yeah, I don't know. Because they, apparently they were supposed to have all these extra measures. Uh, the crazy part here is apparently this guy, this guy claims to have guessed the password back in 2016 as well. At that point, the password was, you're fired which was from The Apprentice Show <laughs> in 26. So he claims he's just so good that he can keep guessing Trump's yeah. password. But I kind of, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on this story because I do also find it hard to believe that there wouldn't be two-stage on it. Like by default, like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I can't imagine Jack Dorsey and everybody at Twitter letting Trump's account mm -hmm. not have two-stage on it. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, maybe uh, Trump has too many phones and then he has to log in and then it's just... He's mad really at the two-stage? Yeah. I would think it would be a non-negotiable two-stage. The level of influence and the profile of the account? Yeah. Huh. Even if it's a back-end two-stage where somebody at Twitter has to type it in and verify because mm -hmm. they would know, oh, yeah, Trump's not in Amsterdam right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but anyway, uh, this guy claims that the CIA reached out to him and thanked him apparently. Hmm. Let's see what it says. So he tries to warn others, Trump's campaign team. He tried to uh, warn Trump's family. He sent messages via Twitter asking if someone will call to Trump's attention the fact that his Twitter account is not safe. He tagged the CIA, the White House, the FBI, Twitter themselves, and got no response. A day later, he noticed that two-step verification had been activated on Trump's account. Uh... And at some point, the CIA apparently reached out to him, to, at, which, at which point they thanked him for bringing this security issue to their attention. So, I don't know. You can believe whatever you want. I find it hard to believe, but the guy is very adamant himself that he was in there and he had access. And it just brings up the whole conversation again, especially with an election coming up, about how important these Twitter accounts are mm -hmm. and how fragile the whole thing is. If somebody goes in there mm -hmm. with their own intent and agenda and they actually gain access... This stuff becomes news so fast, you would have had the time to pull it back, whatever the person said. Yes. So it really gets you, gets you thinking. But Twitter's official statement, they've seen no evidence of this man having had access. That's the official line on it. Remember that guy, uh, the star man? He left, left on that rocket, Elon Musk's star man. He was uh, going into orbit, and 
With the Roadster. Yeah, he's in the Roadster at the end of the rocket, and he looks like an astronaut kind of suit on, and he's holding the steering wheel, and then it says, don't panic in the dash. And, you know, it was kind of just a fun thing at the time. Well, we have some news about that guy. He's really, that guy's really far away now, as you might imagine. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) recently he passed as close as ever to Mars. Hmm. Two years later, the Falcon Heavy upper stage and the vehicle at its tip are making their second trip around the sun. And uh, the Starman passed 4.6 million miles from Mars at 2.25 a.m. October 7th, which is 19 times the distance from Earth to the moon and 35 times closer than anyone on Earth has ever gotten to Mars. Hmm. So he's, I know he's not a real person, but he got, he's, been, he's closer to Mars than Elon's yeah. ever been. He's making moves. Yeah, he's making one. moves. Good he, on him. He, uh, what was I going to say, though? Oh, he's not doing well, though, no, f- physically. Sick. No, he's got some health problems. Because of all the radiation and whatnot. Okay. He's got no atmosphere to protect him. So uh, the speculation here is that probably all of the organic materials would have been wrecked at this point. So the red paint is likely gone. The rubber tires, gone. Uh, the leather seats, wrecked. And uh, because of the, all the carbon bonds that hold them together would have been uh, destroyed by radiation at this point. Mm. However... Uh, the aluminum frame and the glass parts might be okay. Okay. That might be the the uh, lasting effect. I mean, it created some incredible visuals. That's yes. a real photo, man. Yeah. Like, it created, they did some cool stuff with him, but uh, yeah, he's still floating out there. He might look a little different with mm. the, you know, all the exposure, but uh, inspiring stuff, mm-hmm. this guy. I don't know if you saw this one. I know you love the neural stuff. I know you're big on the deep fakes. I know you. this is just your, you're into it. Yeah. And so that's why I brought this one up. Uh, apparently, we have new filters from Adobe inside of Photoshop that are just bananas, straight banana town. Uh, they're called Adobe's neural filters and just very easily, even on uh, a pretty straightforward image, low res rip that you grab from Google Images. You can do some amazing stuff in a couple of clicks, in a couple of you know minutes. Mm-hmm. No crazy running it through these uh, intensive processes, but just in real time within the app, you can do well. For example, what this guy did here, he took forty years off of Joe Biden real quick, yeah. as you can tell. I don't know if you think it's a convincing or what. I mean it. It does. I don't, it doesn't really look like Biden, but mm. it uh, looks like a younger version. It looks it like a CG. younger version. Well, uh, so this guy uh, showing off, uh, this is via pay, uh, pixel. He took a portrait of Biden at 77 years old, and he used Adobe Photoshop's neural filters, which uh, he moved the age and hair sliders. These That's the sliders you got inside of Photoshop. Yeah. Fully customizable. Crazy. Just oh. age slider. Yeah. Amazing. Now, this was first showed off, uh, shown off with the baby that was looking the wrong way. Mm. And then they just shifted the eyes and yeah. you were like, whoa. Yeah. Well, uh, this one, it was age and hair sliders, removed skin blemishes, wrinkles, and increased the density of hair, which is what you would do. And then the image is sent to the cloud for processing. And in about two minutes, it spits out the 40 year younger version of uh, of Joe Biden. So it's not quite to the level of deepfakes, but the process of deepfakes obviously tremendously more resource intensive mm-hmm. for the time being. This on the other hand accessible to anyone quickly to to be able to go in there and really uh, you know shift reality ever uh, ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, we've seen we've seen the automated versions of this right on smartphones with the selfie filters and things and the smoothing and stuff, but this takes it to another level. For sure, yeah. I mean, with photos, retouching and everything, I mean, it could be just one click and then you're good. One click. Will be happy. You set up your whole script, yeah. one click. Photographers. Ta, 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 ta. Boom. Yeah. Lovely. What age is anyone in the future? Whatever age they want to be. Instagram. 
Incredible. Everyone's young. What are you really looking at? What are you really seeing? If these get good enough, man. I heard a... Uh, you know what's crazy? Oh, can can okay. I just say something yeah. just before you say that? Is if you are a celebrity and your image is a real valuable thing to you, could you imagine if, imagine a future in which you never leave? You're never seen in public because then your image is some sort of merging. It's some sort of neural hybrid of what you actually are at the moment and the fabrication that of, of what AI thinks you should look like. Uh-huh. So you can't leave because that, the impression people have of you, people are in interchanging the, your Instagram appearance with reality. Mm -hmm. That becomes the, that that's your broadcast. Yeah. And then going out would spoil it because then you have regular images and people would be like, no, this person's old. Yeah. But, but you, with this kind of stuff, if it's good enough, if you have a team or... Or if you could do it in, in in one click or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's the future, right? You just never, you can never show people the actual you because the. Yeah, you'll be wearing a mask every time you go out. Right. Yeah. What is that? But then what is what? What is what at that point? Yeah. Because then everybody's doing it. It's like a hybrid avatar. Yeah. Social media is just a, I mean, it already is. But then it's a more advanced hybrid avatar. Mm-hmm which is a worked up version of you, which can be anything at any time. However, yeah. it probably would never be the real you. Anything but that. Yeah, that's scary. Wow. This next one is going to require some uh, little bit of Google, Google Maps magic from you. Okay. So this caught my attention because Apple... Well, okay, first up, Apple is closing... Oh. How dare you? Apple is... Watching uh, clo us. <laughs> closing, yeah, watching cool. us for sure. And they're closing a store in Minneapolis, which is, you know, I don't, it's not the biggest deal. I was curious because Apple usually goes into the really uh, affluent areas for the retail. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find Apple in a rundown location for the most part. So if they, when they close down a store, you're curious if there's a reason, if they're opening another store. If it's a temporary thing, they just don't do it that often because mm -hmm. there's usually not much reason to. Well, this store in uh, uptown Minneapolis is just closing for good. They're not moving it. They're just done with it. And I was like, what could, what would be, what would cause that to be the case? Now, obviously there's been a lot of stuff happening in the world recently with the COVID has affected retail substantially, but then you had uh, also protests and riots and things like that. And I was just curious if this was affected by that. So then I went in and I just put this into Google Maps. Okay. Because I wanted to see, I see the image there of the Apple store when it's thriving. I was curious what it looks like right now mm. and what the whole area looks like. Because I was like, wait a sec. They closed the Apple store. I'm reading the uh, article here talking about uh, all this stuff being damaged during the riots in that area, and then uh, also closing down Columbia Sportswear, North Face, Victoria's Secret closed down a year before, Canadian outerwear company Arcteryx left, and the Urban Outfitters store is listed for sale or lease. I'm like, those are all expensive brands. Yeah. How could an entire area go from supporting that retail to, to Zippo? Like, what happened? Because, I mean, I get it. Retail is suffering right now. But those brands, they all got bank accounts. Yeah. And it's never a good look to just bounce completely. So anyway, go to Google Maps for a second. Okay. Because we're going to go on just a little street view. Uh, you got to type in Uptown Apple Store Minneapolis. This is this is some real-time Real-time stuff. You got it. You got oh, it there. Yeah. You spelled Minneapolis wrong, but it got it got That's it anyway. One. That one, yeah. Okay, now, here. This is a key. Well, I need you to grab the little Street View Man. Pick up the Street View Man. And choose the dot. That dot. Oh, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop. Okay. Get the little man and just drop him at the street corner. Uh-oh. Not the dot. We're going to do the dot second. Which one? The yep, drop him right south? there at the street corner. Okay. This is this is big stuff. Okay. Riveting. We're on the corner. It's a lot of traffic. It looks like it's a happening place. 
I don't know what CB2 is. I think it's a furniture store. Now, go down the road. This uh, avenue is called, what is it, Hennep Hennepin? Hennepin Avenue South? Is that what it, that's what, did I get that right? Yes. Hennepin. Hennepin Avenue South. Okay. Travel down this street. All right, let's, let's look at the retail. Uh, look at that. Ki a kitchen window. Uh, Majors and Quinn books, booksellers. Keep going down. Okay. Keep going down. We have uh, Jimmy John's. We have a spice place. Keep going down. Keep going down. We have a, a bar on the left. We have an H&M. All right, we have an old theater, which looked like it was ready for a revamp at the time. You could do something cool there, right? Uh, you have the Apple Store, obviously, looking great. Yeah. Fully open, glass. You have Columbia Sportswear just next to the Apple Store, right? Keep going a little bit. You have the North Face over there. Timberland is on the other side. I would like to, I would like to go here. Okay, yeah. I would like to go here and have myself a time. Seems like a nice place. Seems like a nice place. Now, I want you to zoom out. Hit that minus button. There's Urban Outfitters on the left as well. Hit the minus button. It's all happening. Hit the minus button. I want to show you what, 20, what 2020 looks like. Hit the X up top. Hit the X up top. Now, I want you to grab the little man. Once again, the Street View man. Okay, yeah. grab him. Pull him over. Now, drop him on the dot. The earlier dot. Right there. Drop him. Right here? Yeah, drop him right there. I did this earlier. Oh, baby. Look, look, go look at the Apple Store. Every, the entire neighborhood is finished, boarded up. Hmm. This is, what is this? July. Yeah. Finished. That's the Apple Store. That's the Apple Store. When have you ever seen an Apple Store like that? Oh. Crazy, man. So I don't know what happened. How every how do retailers all abandoned? They just said we we're not gonna we're we're not going back. Right. It's wild. You would have thought that I, I get it with COVID and stuff and, and everything else. It was like like I don't know what happened to the H and M, for example. Is the H and M back up and running? Maybe somebody can go look because I don't know how, you know, there's obviously more recent imagery than this, but talk about a massive shift from the street view that you did previously to depending how recent it is to the retail status now. And you wonder, what do you do with this whole space? Mm -hmm. What happens? Well, yeah. Apple said that the employees who used to work there are going to get jobs elsewhere. Uh -huh. And a lot of these other big brands are probably going to be able to do something similar because they, they do have other stores probably in the uh, Minneapolis area. But it's just a really, uh, I mean, the visual is just impactful to go from, because I had that experience myself. I'm like, why do they shut down? They never shut down Apple stores. Like, holy. And then it's like, whoa, wow. What yeah. a contrast in just a few months. Yeah. Just a few months. It's like a whole different place. The Spice Place. <laughs> the bookstore. Yeah, it's all uh, boarded up. It's wild, man. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the Apple that Apple store decided to shut down for good. And I should also note, it's a, it's listed here within the article. Apparently, the closure of the uh, that Apple store was already in the plans prior to the pandemic. So I guess that oh. area had already been hurting, and then that everything just amplified it and made it and expedited the process by the looks of it. But I just, how can an area change so much so fast? I need somebody in Minneapolis to tell me mm. how an area can change so much so much, so fast. It's really uh, curious. Uh, anyways, Burger King. Remember we talked about how they were going to give away a, a PlayStation 5? Yeah. Well, um, this is not about a PlayStation 5 at all, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless because they're apparently working on, uh, on reusable, uh, like no wrappers, reusable containers. I know that sounds very boring, but you look at it and it's really messing with your mind. Look at those Burger King containers. Hmm. <laughs> like, like uh, it looks like you're about to, like you packed your own lunch. Yeah. But you leave Burger King with that, and huh. you put a deposit on your fast food meal, and then if you bring that stuff back, the deposit gets refunded to you, oh, or yeah. I guess you just repl keep replacing it with depending how often you go to Burger King. This is blows my mind. Huh. I mean, you got to be a regular to start thinking about this. But 
The other thing that came into my mind is it's kind of a weird time to launch something like this with the pandemic stuff. Mm. Because it's like, what about the the contamination? Yeah. I was curious about that. Now, I'm, do you want people bringing the food articles back, even if it's just the containers? Now, obviously, the beer store and things like that, they do that. They're still taking the bottles back. Yeah. So they, they probably have some sanitization system. They just slam it with high heat and steam and everything else. Do you know what this is made out of? I'm sure it's like some plastic? bio plant-based uh, plastic, you know? Because I think with glass. Oh, I see where you you're know, going. A yeah. bit more. High heat. Yeah. Sanitary. I hear you. But with plastic, I mean, you can't melt that. Or with blast it with high heat and have it survive. Yeah, it looks like it's some type of plastic. Now, they say it will be safely cleaned and then refilled. Uh, apparently, to use the containers, customers will opt for the zero-waste option when oh. they're uh, putting their order in. Now, obviously, at coffee shops, yeah. you were able to bring your own mug, mm -hmm. like Starbucks, but they put that on hiatus when the pandemic hit. They're like, no, no, no. Stop yeah, bringing your stinking. We're stink not touching that. Stop bringing your stinking mugs in here. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that people are moving towards the sustainable mm -hmm. ways of doing things, and and uh, there's obviously waste when it comes to fast food and things like this. Uh, the program is going to roll out in NYC, Tokyo, and Portland in 2021. So yeah. it's not immediate. Maybe things will chill out with the with the pandemic, and, and it's not going to seem as weird once it does roll out. But the weird, the the part that still remains weird for me is how much of a fast food regular you got to be mm -hmm. to justify carrying around the reuse. I mean, you got to go for lunch a couple times a week at least, I would say. Yeah. And how much of a discount are we talking about here? I don't know. What if you just keep collecting these plastic uh, containers? Why? Because you don't just bring because. them back? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, then the whole thing's out the window. Like because if the discount is like one, I don't know, like 50 cents or something. Right. Is it worth it for them to just bring like these containers back <laughs> dude i keep dude i don't like even i don't even bring back my beer bottles I, or beer cans like yeah. I, I just put them into recycling yeah so uh, but it's a tough one yeah that's a tough one i know see with beer cans and bottles they recycle well as well because you have the aluminum and the glass mm -hmm. but you're right it's another plastic product so it's a bit hit and miss i think if you're gonna pick it up you really got to be committed that you're going to bring it back. Yeah. Just, I mean, never mind the money, but also from an environmental standpoint, if you're like, yeah, zero waste, and then you throw that out, that's way worse than the flimsy yeah. paper. Yeah. So you got to be real committed to the <laughs> environmental situation. Would you use this though? No, because I don't go well, to fast food. Fast food for me would be once in a while. Uh, what if you had no choice? Would you just like... Okay, fine. I'll take it. What do you mean? Like the, we're out of the regular wrapper? Yeah, we have this box instead. No, I would, would throw. You? I don't. I doubt it. I got so many containers already in my house. I mean, like, would you eat from it, knowing that? It's oh, recycled. from a sanitation. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they'll figure out the sanitation. It would be a nightmare. They'd be sued if somebody got sick from that. Would you be the first one? <laughs> That's right. I'm at the front of the line. All right, last one here. Apparently, Adidas is uh, reportedly selling Reebok. They bought Reebok all the way back, I think, 2005 for, yes, for $3.8 billion. Since then, the brand has, it's been tough, man. The brand has been losing money. They don't know what to do with the brand. Oh. They try to get into the, uh, what is it, the CrossFit yeah. market. They were like, we're going to be the CrossFit brand. And I think they had some level of success with that. But I just, how is CrossFit doing right now? There's a lot of struggles yeah. right now for a number of reasons. I mean, they have the UFC, right? They did the UFC thing, but they took so much heat with the UFC. Like, how many jerseys did they sell? Yeah. I mean, did it really? Yeah. It's, it was tough because Adidas, they didn't want to dip into their thing. They had the ultra boost going on, and they were just killing the game mm -hmm. in all kinds of areas. And how much do you let Reebok into that versus force that brand to carve out its own thing? Well, anyway, there's been problems. And apparently a lot of uh, investors uh, and board members and whoever else have been trying to get Adidas to, to just, just get rid of Reebok cut its losses. Uh, Reebok revenues were down 42% mm. in the U.S. market in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. So way, way down. And you remember, you and I were talking how Nike actually did okay mm -hmm. in a pandemic. Nike was... The was online. The it's online. Great. They were able to shift people to the online. Yeah. And they were okay in China and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, well, China kind of 
got over the pandemic stuff before everyone else, so that may have helped as well. But Nike was they were okay. They're like, all right, pandemic, we'll figure it out. We'll do it online. Uh, Reebok apparently not so much. So uh, investors have been demanding uh, as early as 2017, making demands that Reebok get rid of, or th uh, that Adidas get rid of Reebok. Some of the potential suitors for the brand, China's Anta Sports and the VF Corporation, which is the uh, Timberland Vans North Face brand. North Face showing up twice on the show today mm. with the store shut down and now over here is a potential, uh, uh, mm. well, they're not the fl flagship brand, I guess. Or maybe they would, who do you think, what do you think is the biggest brand? Timberland, Vans, or the North Face? Vans. How do those three, maybe Vans. Vans. Maybe Vans. Maybe that's why it's the VF Corporation. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so so those are a couple brands where the, the uh, where the uh, where the Reebok brand can go potentially live under. Uh, but Adidas has not officially responded to this. They have not said that for certain this is what's going to happen. Um, but what can I say? I don't know. It, it would be unfortunate. I have memories of the Reebok brand. Reebok was cool at one moment. Reebok had the Iverson shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't Allen Iver weren't Allen Iverson's shoes Reebok? Plus they had the the, the one classic there. Yeah, uh, actually perfect timing because Vin had these shoes and he just walked in the studio. Wait, you didn't have on? those ones? No, no, no. Wait, he had ones that had a zipper on the front. See if you can find. Or maybe. Didn't it? Yes. Is these that a Reebok shoe white. though? Or yeah, Reebok signature. He had that shoe right there, but maybe it was blue, not black. Anyway, point being, they had a few athletes. They had a few interesting designs over the years, a few futuristic different designs going on. Of course, they had the pump. Don't forget the pump. Oh, yeah. Classic. The pump was huge. So anyway, here, here's to hoping they find a home and they don't just uh, evaporate completely. But uh, they're going to need some type of resurgence, some new uh, identity here because it hasn't been working out under the Adidas heading, at least for the time being. It's ca causing problems for everyone, so... Apparently, they're looking to sell, but that's just, just a report for the time mm -hmm. being.